welcome everyone. Uh, this is uh, the Ontolog Forum, uh, January 12th, year 2006, and today we have the pleasure of inviting Dr. Leo Oberst of MITRE uh, to join us and to speak to the forum here. Uh, the title of Dr. Oberst's talk is, What is an Ontology? A breathing on the range of semantic models. And, uh, as most of you know, uh, Leo is one of the co-conveners of the Ontolog Forum, and this session is sort of long overdue uh, with all of us trying to find out, maybe uh, discussing among ourselves, sometimes I mean, uh, not agreeing what an ontology is. So. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from Leo on this topic. But before we pass the uh, floor to Leo, let's go around and in briefly introduce ourselves to each other. Uh, I'll go down the attendee list. So, Steve, would you start? Okay, uh, this is Steve Ray. I'm a division chief at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Uh, the division is called the Manufacturing Systems Integration Division, and we are taking a very uh, ontological approach to the next generation of, of interoperability standards for data. Thanks, Steve. Uh, I'll, I'll skip Leo for the time being. Uh, we'll formally introduce him after everybody else has had a chance. Uh, so I'll go on next. I'm, I'm Peter Yim, uh, again, one of the co-conveners here, and uh, I'm glad to so, Bill? Uh, Bill McCarthy. I'm a professor of accounting and information systems at Michigan State University who beat IU last night, close partners. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, Joe? Oh, hi, Peter. Is this me? Yes. Joe There's no other Joe. Okay. Hi, I'm Joe Chusano from Booz Allen. I'm very active in OASIS uh, technical committees in areas such as SOA and EVXML registry and uh, the OASIS semantic execution environment technical committee, which is relatively new. And my most recent um, broad project has been the data reference model for the FEA, the DRM. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Ken? Hi, I'm Ken Bitslovsky. I'm a professor at the College of Computer and Information Science at Northeastern University. I've been active in ontology since the early 90s, um, especially in the area of life sciences. I'm a co-author of the book Ontologies for Bioinformatics. Thank you very much, Ken. Hi, I'm Teresa Anthony. I'm the head of the Breckenridge Library, which is the Un Marine Corps University Library here at Quantico. Um, recently, we've reorganized. In fact, our, our new title is Library of Corps, and we're going to stand up a virtual library branch as well. And so we're just doing all we can to find out what we need to do and we're developing a taxonomy and looking at wanting to hear what you guys have to, to offer us as far as ontology um, research, and just appreciate you for um, letting me listen in. Fantastic. You're most welcome. Uh, Isak? Hi, this is uh, Mary Parmalee dialing in. Oh, okay. Hi, Mary. Uh, we'll, we're just going around introducing ourselves, so uh, you, uh, I'll add you to the bottom of the list. Uh, okay, well, you just so. let... Just let me know when it's my turn. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, we should have Itzhak Roth now. Itzhak, are you there? 
on Dwayne Nicole. Uh, Dwayne Nicole, uh, Senior Technology Evangelist for Adobe Systems Inc. Uh, very much involved with our company's future with respect to ontology, semantic work, uh, security, etc. And in SOA. Okay. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, Bob? I'm Bob Smith. I wear a hat uh, of ontology project manager in the healthcare domain for this forum. And I'm particularly interested in uh, moving from a electronic health record that's uh, essentially paper-based without any electronics to uh, a secure, as in secure that building, uh, personal health record using semantics and uh, appropriate ontologies. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Herb Basic. Uh, this is Herb Basic from Lockheed Martin. I'm doing research in the field of applying semantic technologies to C4 ISR systems. Thanks, Herb. Hi, this is Pat Heinig. I'm a senior enterprise architect at the um, Environmental Protection Agency, working for the, the Office of Water. Um, I'm also, uh, like Joe Chisano, is on the data reference model uh, for uh, federal reference models. I'm CIO counsel and also very interested in ontologies for uh, for a lot of the work that we're doing here, semantic interoperability and other sorts of things with data architecture. I'm also co-chair of the Federal Health Architecture Data Architecture Working Group. Thank you, Pat. Uh, Ugo? Hi, I'm Ugo Corda. I represent SAN in various uh, standard committees dedicated to XML web services, SOA, uh, in W3C, OAZ, WSI, and OMG. And in particular, I'm a member of the W3C rule interchange format. Thank you. Uh, Hi, I'm, uh, I'm a knowledge management coordinator within an educational organization in the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, uh, Andreas Tok. Hello, Andreas Tok from the Virginia Modeling Analysis and Simulation Center, which is uh, affiliated with Old Dominion University in Norfolk. Um, we are very much interested in using ontologies and uh, further developing ontologies in what we are talking about, uh, fractal ontologies for modeling and simulation alignment, because we realize that the current standards for um, interoperability of modeling and simulation systems uh, are not sufficiently represented on the technical level only, so we need something like an ontology. Thank you, Andreas. Uh, Scott Petrie? I am a uh, knowledge engineer at BAA Systems out in uh, sunny San Diego today. It's 80 degrees right now. <laughs> so you can all be a little jealous. Uh, I am doing research into applying semantic web technologies to knowledge engineering, tradecraft, and system architectures. Thank you. Uh, John Gilman? Hi. I'm the uh, lead for uh, semantic technologies for Webify solutions. Thank you. Doug Marta? Hi. I'm from Bruce Allen Hamilton, associate there and enterprise architect. Chuck Turnisa. Um, hi, it's uh, Chuck Turnisa. Um, uh, and Peter, I sent you an email with my, my actual name. So, uh, at any rate, I'm a PhD student at Old Dominion University working uh, under Andreas Tolk. Um, my, uh, my, my field of research is looking at ontologies, how they can be applied to uh, dynamic uh, situations, and is a dynamic ontology uh, required, or is a static ontology sufficient, uh, and so on. Um, looking into research related to that area. Okay. 
Uh, does your last name start with a P or a T? Uh, T as in Thomas. Okay, thank you. My, uh, my apologies. Uh, Elizabeth Olson? Yes, hi. Um, I'm a media librarian at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Okay. Uh, Wendy Pose? Hi, I'm Wendy Pose, and up until about two weeks ago, I was chief taxonomist at IBM. Now I'm a technology officer at a small startup, and we're going to be building ontologies in support of semantic search technologies. Thank you. Uh, uh, Kurt Conrad? Thanks, Peter. Um, I'm an independent consultant in the Bay Area, one of the uh, co-conveners of Ontolog, and I tend to work primarily in the area of information policy and governance. Thank you. Pat Cassidy? Hi, <coughs> Pat Cassidy. I'm an ontologist at MITRE, particularly concerned with upper ontologies. Thank you. Jakub Kudowski? Hello, I'm a software engineer intern at uh, Sun, and uh, I'm really glad that I can attend this call. Uh, I will write my diploma thesis about uh, ontologies, most probably about case-based uh, reasoning uh, based upon ontologies. Thank you. Karen Dennis? Hi, I'm the knowledge management lead for a Navy activity in the Pacific Northwest and have been for about four years. Uh, and then during my uh, prior 30 years in D.C., was part of the group in, with the Department of Navy Chief Information Officer that led the implementation of knowledge management in the Department of Navy. Thank you, Karen. Uh, David Eddy? David Eddy in Boston. I'm an independent consultant. I got into this with Case Tools about 15 years ago when a challenge from Shell Oil, a good customer, the challenge was, and I believe it is still unmet, when we merge two models, how do we get postal code and zip code to collide? I'm still interested. Okay. We'll find out from you more later. Uh, Shannon Weckner? Hi, I'm a systems analyst working with the Marine Corps, and I'm researching taxonomies for a new system. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, Christine Holliday? Hello, this is Chris Holliday. I am the knowledge officer, librarian at the Defense Ammunition Center in McAllister, Oklahoma. Process of developing a taxonomy on ammunition. Thank you. Uh, Ken Tron? Hi, I'm Ken Tran from Convera. I'm a senior product manager. Uh, what I do is oversee uh, products to build taxonomy, cemented networks, and also linguistic products. Thank you. Uh, Roy? Hello, I'm Roy Roebuck. I'm a crusty old management analyst who's been trying to apply ontologies since about the early, oh, 82 or 3. And uh, I've just been trying to keep, uh, keep up with the technologies and apply uh, ontologies towards enterprise management, situational awareness, and uh, knowledge integration. And uh, some of my efforts were recently implied, uh, applied for a, uh, on a federal project uh, for a federal continuity communication enterprise architecture. Thank you, Roy. Mary mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pomeli. Uh, you may be on mute. Mary Pomeli still online? Okay, uh, who else did we uh, miss? Hello? Uh, Can hi. you hear me now? Yes, yes. Okay. 
Sorry, my hands free. wasn't plugged in all the way. Uh, I'm Mary Parmalee. I'm an oncologist with a uh, defense contractor in the D.C. area, McDonald Bradley. And uh, my current work involves semantic interoperability and in information retrieval, uh, leveraging oncology. Thank you, Mary. Uh, who else did, uh, did we miss going on? Peter, this is it. I don't think you heard me the first time because I was on mute. <laughs> right. Okay, great. Uh, welcome back. But it was a good uh, drive on. Uh, it's Hakroth with Unicorn Solutions. Currently work on a bioinformatics uh, project for the immunology research, and we are trying to put semantic face on bioinformatics data. Great. Uh, have we got everyone? Uh, has everyone had a chance to introduce themselves except for Leo? Um, Peter, uh, this is David Yitton, David Witten from the Department of Veterans Affairs. Hi, David. Uh, oh, computer programming with, with VISTA and ontology implications of that. And quite a bit of experience with Psych, too. Right, fantastic. David, was it you that, that was editing just now? Well, well, I just added my name to it, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and this is uh, Keith Walker with Lockheed Martin. I'm a software engineer working on the Electronic Records Archives project. So I'm particularly interested in, in uh, applications for search of uh, this technology. Great. Thank you, Keith. Uh, anybody else? If not, uh, we have the pleasure to introduce our invited speaker today, and that is Dr. Leo Oberst. Uh, I have had the pleasure of being a colleague with uh, Dr. Oberst since the days when we both worked at uh, VerticalNet. And of course, we there are a few of our associates are still around, like Pat Cassidy, and so on. And um, Dr. Oberst is a principal artificial intelligence scientist at MITRE now, uh, in their Center for in Innovative Computing and Informatics, where he leads the Information Semantics Group and has been involved in projects on semantic web rules, ontology interaction context-based semantic interoperability, ontology-based knowledge management, conceptual information retrieval, metadata, and thesaurus construction for community knowledge sharing, intelligent agent technology, and ontology-based modeling of complex decision-making. Uh, he was recently director of ontological engineering at VerticalNet uh, when we were colleagues in uh, he formed the department to create ontologies in the product and service space to support business-to-business e-commerce. -business e uh, Leo's uh, PhD is in theoretical linguistics with a concentration in formal semantics from the University of Texas Austin. He has worked over 20 years in computational linguistics knowledge representation and in the past nine years uh, in ontological engineering. Uh, he is a member of the Executive Committee for the newly formed National Center for Ontological Research, and he's the chair of ENCOR. I mean, that's the National Center for Ontological Research's uh, Technical com Committee. Uh, he was a member of the W3C uh, Web Ontology Working Group that gave us uh, the R language, and uh, he's a 
member of the IEEE Standard Up for Ontology Working Group, the Semantic Web Services uh, Initiative, the SWEC group, uh, the Ontolog community, obviously, uh, which he is the co-founder and co-convener of, and also the W3C Rule Interoperability Group. He's a member of AAAI, ACL, LSA, and ACM, and his research interests include semantic interoperability and integration, formalization of context for ontology mapping and merging, and formal upper ontology. Uh, semantic rules and the application of formal ontology and formal semantics uh, in ontological engineering. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Oberst. All yours, Leo. Okay. Thanks, Peter. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to, uh, uh, I think Peter is going to be uh, flipping these slides, but uh, I'll let you know in case you're looking at these remotely uh, which slide we're on. Okay. Uh, we call this the ontology spectrum and semantic models. Uh, if you want to go to the agenda page three, uh, <laughs> this is basically what I want to cover. Uh, there's a few other items. So at the end, I have more colon, and we'll see how much time we have. Uh, what's our uh, what's our drop uh, dead time here, uh, Peter? It's 12.25. Drop okay. dead, and uh, I'll probably give everyone a prompt by the 12.20 uh, so that uh, the, we can do some wrap-up between 12.20 and, uh, uh, and 12.25. Um, that, that's West Coast time, so it's going to be 3.20 to 3.25 ST. Okay, yeah. Right. I'll try to uh, make so, this uh, you know, shorter than that. So. Right, we expect maybe about an hour's uh, presentation and then maybe about half an hour's uh, open discussion, if we can. Yes, okay, so we're on uh, slide four. Uh, just a, a very quick definition of what uh, information semantics is, kind of root this. If I'm too loud or, or, or not loud enough, let me know, too. Um, uh, basically, information semantics uh, is uh, the purpose is to provide semantic representation uh, for our systems, our data, our documents, our agents. Uh, we focus on uh, making machines, uh, enabling machines to mo more closely interact at the human conceptual level. The technologies span ontologies, knowledge representation, semantic web technology, uh, semantics and natural language uh, processing, and uh, knowledge management. Uh, the, the overall linking notion here is ontologies, which... Uh, We'll step through and give uh, some definitions for, uh, but uh, you can consider rich formal models. And uh, uh, something that we emphasize but we won't cover in this briefing is that uh, content is king. So uh, the primary, once you get beyond uh, some of these issues about what a taxonomy and ontology is, uh, the, the main uh, point here is that, well, you want good quality uh, content and good quality models. Uh, slide five, uh, this is a very complicated slide and uh, a few weeks back we covered this uh, uh, very quickly and uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. This is trying to motivate uh, the uh, use of uh, semantic technologies. Uh, I'll, 
I'll briefly explain this. Uh, in the lower left is uh, uh, what we call uh, uh, tightly coupled. Uh, when we formerly had tightly coupled systems only, and in the upper right is uh, we've evolved to extremely uh, loosely coupled systems. So that whole arrow or two arrows from left upper uh, from lower left to upper right. Um, show that over time our information technology and uh, computer programming, computer science, we've evolved from tightly coupled systems to loosely coupled systems. And the reason is because it's been forced on us. Uh, we have to deal with increasing heterogeneity of our data, of our applications, of, uh, of our uh, semantics, if you will. Uh, uh, and the, the overall point of this whole slide, uh, uh, you'll see there's a data aspect and an application aspect. Uh, so we've had to develop these constructs um, on both sides to deal with the increasingly uh, more heterogeneous uh, nature of our work in information technology and thereby uh, moving uh, to loosely coupled systems. Well, as we've increased towards these loosely coupled systems, the we've had a correlated uh, evolution to uh, needing more and more explicit semantics to deal with the heterogeneity we find. So uh, as you see over on the left, the uh, one axis uh, semantic explicitness uh, with the arrow pointing upward, meaning we have to increasingly have more uh, uh, explicit semantics for our machines in order to deal with uh, heterogeneity. So on the far right, um, in the green font, uh, at the bottom you see one system, small set of developers. Well, in the old days, right, uh, when computing was just starting and, uh, and for quite some time after that, uh, you might have a small team of developers uh, developing one program with maybe some sub-procedures uh, and maybe a, a d database or two. Uh, you could, as, your, as the developers who are working very closely together, you could all nod your head saying, well, uh, this is what we agree on is the semantics of what we're passing. So I pass this argument of this type, and this is what it means, and then you bring me back this other argument of this type, and this is what it means. So we could all nod our heads saying that, yes, this is what our semantics is. But as we've evolved to uh, systems of systems, uh, stepwise higher to uh, the top, uh, enterprise level, community level, and the internet, um, at the internet level, uh, we can't all nod our heads saying, yeah, this is what our data and our documents mean, right? So we have to evolve. It's been forced on us to evolve from implicit semantics to increasingly more explicit semantics. Uh, and so on both sides, uh, the data side in red and the application side on, uh, in blue, we've, from the lower left to the upper right, we've developed these uh, new constructs at every stage in the last uh, 50, 60 years um, that enables us to deal with wider and wider areas, uh, increasingly amount, increasing amounts of heterogeneity. So on the data side, you see that uh, formerly, you could con control your address space and everyone worked in the same space. Uh, we created databases then to abstract out our data. Um, we developed uh, uh, 
federated databases and data warehouses, uh, data marts, etc., to deal with multiple uh, databases. Uh, we've developed on taxonomies, conceptual models, and uh, more recently ontologies to uh, be able to express the semantics of our data. Uh, and so forth, all the way up to the emergence of semantic web uh, technologies such as uh, RDFS and OWL, OWL services, and uh, issues like rules and policies. On the blue side, for the application uh, uh, constructs, we've uh, formally, in the lower left, moved from uh, being able to control our process space to wider and wider coverage. We're not guaranteed that we're on the same CPU. We're, uh, we had to develop uh, multiple operating systems, distributed systems, wide area networks, for example, uh, middleware in the 90s, uh, and end-tier architectures, which are now becoming service-oriented architectures, to deal with this increasing heterogeneity, uh, all the way up to peer-to-peer uh, 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 applications, agent programming, uh, semantic brokers, and who knows what else uh, as we evolve. Uh, so the whole point of this is that uh, heterogeneity uh, of our data, our applications, our services have forced on us uh, to work increasingly more in loosely coupled systems. And uh, with that evolution, we have to do, deal with uh, uh, and, in fact, uh, increase the explicitness of our semantics that's usable by all these constructs. Uh, the next slide is uh, slide six. Uh, this is, I'd like to take you through a, a kind of a general uh, introduction definition of ontologies uh, because it can get formal fairly quickly and we want to make sure that we bring people along uh, and uh, make sure they understand uh, what these differences are. So the, the whole point of this is to define ontologies uh, uh, at a relatively general uh, level uh, that's accessible to folks. Uh, we'll also describe um, what we call the ontology spectrum, which will show you the range of semantic models uh, going from simpler to more complex. Uh, and that'll be in the next few slides. So. Um, an ontology, uh, again, slide six, is uh, we can, an ontology defines the terms used to describe and represent an area of knowledge. Sometimes we call that a su subject matter, sometimes we call that a domain. So the ontology really is uh, both the vocabulary and the meaning of that vocabulary. So it's not just a label person, but it expresses the meaning of person its properties, its relationships, uh, uh, increasingly um, richer and richer representation depending on what you need. Uh, and the second, so, so it's both the uh, vocabulary, the meaning of that vocabulary, and what we want to emphasize here, that the meaning is modeled, so it's in a model. Uh, so it's an engineering uh, product uh, that can be used by machines um, uh, that represent the semantics of what humans intend and mean about the world and then is usable by machines. Uh, ontologies are used by uh, people, databases, applications, services, etc., to share domain information. And again, subject matter uh, domains uh, range from you know, uh, medicine, uh, business, 
tool manufacturing, uh, military intelligence, financial management, etc. Uh, medicine, it's a area of knowledge that you, uh, that exists in the world that you'd like to represent in a, uh, ontology. Uh, so ontologies include computer usable definitions of both the concepts in the domain and the relationships among them. It also include properties and attributes uh, of those concepts and relations. So they encode domain knowledge, but they can also encode more than that. Uh, they can encode knowledge that spans domains, and in fact, uh, even uh, knowledge that spans all domains, which would be in a upper ontology. Uh, and you, the, the intent is to make that knowledge available. So. We always emphasize modularity, composability, and reusability for ontologies as engineering products. Uh, the next slide is slide seven. The term ontology, uh, everyone has probably heard it uh, to, in some, some context by now, but we use it to describe models with different degrees of structure. So uh, I'm describing this in a textual way uh, here in the next slide, we'll, we'll describe that in a graphical way. So uh, models that have less structure are things such as taxonomies. And I know we have somebody from Convera here, so semi-Convera taxonomies, for example, uh, Yahoo hierarchy, biological uh, Linnaeus taxonomy, uh, the UNSPSC, which is a, a, a taxonomy for electronic business, and we include here database schemas, uh, metadata schemes. So um, there's various ones, EBXML, uh, WSDL, uh, which is the web service description language, etc. Now, models with more structure are thesauri. So examples here are WordNet, uh, the call Center for Army Lessons Learned thesaurus, uh, DTIC, which is another defense uh, thesaurus, but also conceptual models usually represented in UML that come out of the object-oriented world or nowadays also the enterprise architecture world. And then models with most structure, which we will call logical theories. In older technology that occurred in the 90s, there was the development of ontolingua as a language instead of ontologies um, uh, in a formal sense for the first time. Um, there's the Tove, which was the Toronto uh, uh, Ontologies for Virtual Enterprises, uh, developed in the mid to uh, late 90s. The Psych, uh, some of you may know about Psych uh, down in Texas, um, Austin, Texas. Uh, Doug Glennett's project to uh, develop originally an encyclopedic, uh, a knowledge base that contains encyclopedic knowledge of what humans are about and do. Uh, and then, of course, semantic web technologies like OWL and RDF. The ontologies are usually expressed in a logic-based language, mainly because you need to make precise what your distinctions are uh, semantically, so if I say a person and an employee are the same thing, well, is that uh, that may be uh, okay for certain circumstances, but at a certain point, I need to differentiate my person from your employee, and even my person from your person, because the properties 
uh, either have may be different. Uh, so we need a rich logic-based language, but it also, uh, to, to, to make precise uh, what we mean and eliminate ambiguity, but it's also useful because um, a logic-based language is then interpreted and interpretable by a machine. Uh, so in a, in a, not in an understanding fashion, in a, but in a stepwise uh, follow, follow this recipe fashion, and so machines can begin to uh, perform inferences that are close to what a human would make under the same circumstances with the same knowledge. Uh, and so tomorrow's applications, of course, using ontologies can be more uh, so-called intelligent because they're, they're working closer to the human conceptual level. Uh, we don't, as humans, don't have to go to the, the bit level or very low data levels, but the machines move that level up to include human-level concepts so we can interact much more effectively. And uh, ontologies are usually developed using special tools, uh, and probably uh, we all f are familiar with uh, a number of them, such as Protege, for example, um, and uh, others. Uh, next slide is slide eight. Uh, so ontologies are typically developed by a team of individuals, uh, one type of which is uh, experts in uh, some area of knowledge, uh, subject matter experts. They have the knowledge, but they also need, um, uh, in order to create a model, create the ontology which is usable about their subject matter, they need an ontologist who understands how to construct a model. Uh, so you need both types. and. Uh, over time, of course, uh, domain experts can become ontologists, and ontologists uh, can become domain experts in various areas. Um, we don't think that um, uh, there's going to be an automated way of acquiring uh, ontologies, uh, so that we expect uh, ontology development to remain uh, at a semi-automated mode for quite some time simply because uh, humans have uh, very complex models in their minds, and uh, the, the distinctions you have to make, uh, even if they're expressed in your documents, um, our machines are, at this stage, can only uh, use various learning techniques to give candidate nodes for an ontology, but not to generate ontologies automatically. So. Uh, humans need to be in that loop to adjudicate what a good ontology node or term is. And then there's uh, various methodologies that are emerging that will help. So uh, there's uh, methontology and ontoclean, for example, which we won't go into, but I wanted to make those terms at least aware to you. Uh, the next slide is slide nine, which is now the graphical version of that a set of uh, increasingly more structured expressive models. So if you look in the lower left, uh, we have uh, what we call the weak semantics, which means just less expressive uh, semantics. In the upper right are strong semantics, which means richer or more expressive semantics. So, so each of these nodes, uh, 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 the red nodes, are model types of increasingly more expressive capability, right? So we go from a taxonomy, this is in the black font, 
to a thesaurus, to a conceptual model, to a logical theory, we're moving from simpler, less expressive uh, representations uh, to more, uh, more expressive, uh, more complex representation. Um, we, in red, at each of those nodes, what, what we characterize uh, as the parent-child relationship that's important uh, to, for example, the taxonomy uh, or any of these model constructs as we go up. Um, at the taxonomy level, uh, all you can really say is that uh, the relationship between a child and parent is the is-subclassification of relationship. We'll get into a little more detail, but we all probably know of uh, uh, taxonomies that exist, such as maybe your your folder system, your file folder system, which is a rough uh, taxonomy uh, buckets of, uh, if you will, uh, child nodes that exist in a parent node with some degree of uh, depth. And we, we would say in a case like that, which is... Uh, your file folder is really just a very weak taxonomy because the meaning between that subfolder of the relationship between the subfolder and the folder uh, is inconsistent and it's not really well defined. It's just something that's a, in a, a subclassification of the bigger thing. Uh, as you move up to a thesaurus, though, that child parent-child relationship becomes much. Uh, more, uh, let's say, well-defined. So now the child has narrower meaning than its parent because in a thesaurus you're focusing on terms uh, which are words and phrases and uh, the uh, apparent node in a thesaurus will always be more general than the child node which will be, uh, uh, has narrower meaning then. So it, again, it becomes a little more well-defined uh, as you move to a thesaurus. Now, when you move to a conceptual model, uh, or as we see, uh, as we will see, a strong taxonomy, now that the relationship between that child and the parent is the is subclass of, which will have much more uh, precise semantic meaning or semantic representation behind it. Uh, it'll mean things such as it's probably a necessary subclass that's distinguished from other subclasses in that uh, uh, of the parent. And we'll talk about that, too. Uh, as you go up to a logical theory now, that subclass relationship can have uh, more uh, expressive meaning associated with it. So you can uh, uh, actually mean that it's the disjoint subclass. Uh, and uh, maybe you define some transitivity property, uh, which we'll say is just like an inheritance property um, at that point. So at each stage, we're making this more and more expressive uh, taxonomy, thesaurus, conceptual model, logical theory. Now, the nodes uh, or the uh, uh, strings that are in uh, green font, uh, starting at the bottom, these are... Uh, some of the model uh, and languages that we may or may not be familiar with. Um, uh, chances are people uh, are familiar with some of these. So the whole point of this slide is to kind of uh, situate what you do know with respect to uh, other things you may not know uh, in terms of this ontology spectrum. 
Um, so you see the relational model uh, for relational databases is at the lower left, and XML, because these are not very expressive languages. They're typically very general languages. So a relational model, everything is a relation, which is uh, fine for relational databases because the interest and the need there is for uh, general uh, joinability of data, but also quick access, quick querying, uh, query answering. Uh, but the, the, the language itself is too inexpressive to uh, really address much in the way of semantics. As you move up to database schemas, of course, database schemas now give you a way of structuring that relational data, right? So in terms of tables and columns. Uh, and the same thing applies to XML schema. Uh, uh, it gives you a way of structuring that XML in much the same way as a database schema. Uh, other languages in green, such as ER, as we're ascending, entity relation uh, is a type of model that databases, uh, database folks use, um, uh, at least originally, to develop their uh, conceptual schemas for the database. There's extensions to that, now extended ER, which is now you have entities relations, but you may also have cardinality attributes and other uh, more detailed uh, elements in your model. Uh, XTM is the uh, topic map standard. RDF uh, and RDFS, uh, RDF is the resource description framework and its schema uh, sublanguage, if you will, uh, which is one of the, which is the bottom uh, semantic web technology language. Uh, above that, more expressive are things such as UML, the unified modeling language that object-oriented programmers and enterprise architecture folks uh, uh, use. Uh, and then, then we get into more expressive, uh, really, ontology languages. Uh, originally DAML plus OIL, but it's now called OWL. Uh, and other kinds of uh, more complicated expressive constructs like uh, richer description logics, uh, of which OWL is uh, one kind of description logic. And then more expressive first-order logic uh, and uh, extensions beyond that, so modal extension, second-order logic, and uh, higher-order logic, etc. So, um, so this whole slide is showing that uh, a range of models from less to more expressive, but you can also view these uh, as uh, as a migration path too. So, for example. Uh, depending on your um, uh, complexity of your model, you may be and your needs or requirements, you may be starting at the taxonomy level. So if we flip to slide 10, uh, we see the, the imposition of these yellow kind of washes. Uh, starting at taxonomy, right? If your problems are fairly local, you just have one database or a set of documents uh, in your area and your semantic expressivity requirements are low, you don't need a lot of uh, the richness um, and precision, well, you're probably working in that area. Uh, if your problems are a little more general, and especially if they're focused on terms and terminology, uh, and your expressivity requirements are uh, kind of medium, so not very complicated, you're probably in that thesaurus area. 
uh, at moving up when your problems are more general uh, and your uh, expressivity requirements are higher, so you need richer uh, semantic languages to express them, you're probably in the conceptual model area. Now, as we know, when we, our problems become very general, uh, think about the uh, dealing with uh, medicine, logistics, uh, distribution systems, uh, business to business, e-commerce, uh, military intelligence, uh, etc. Uh, you're, you're dealing with very general problems uh, that uh, uh, that span quite large portions of domains in the world. Your exp uh, your expressivity requirements are going to be much higher. Uh, because you need to make these things more precise. It's not just a bucket for your documents uh, that you might have for a taxonomy or even for a thesaurus, but you need the properties of that object. Uh, you need the, uh, think of uh, a specific uh, uh, pathogen in, in medicine, uh, you need the properties of that, the uh, treatment program, uh, the uh, types of medicine that can be used to uh, address that, uh, the carriers, uh, the locations, the etiology of that. So, and then you're probably in that logical theory area. Now, the ranges here uh, in blue, syntactic interoperability, structural interoperability, and semantic interoperability on the right, I, I point you to, uh, let's say, XML and uh, the, the relational model XML in particular, right, if you're using one language like XML, you're able to address syntactic interoperability, right, because you are expressing everything in XML and you're sharing that with other communities. You don't necessarily know what it means, but you're using the same syntax. Now, if you begin to use XML schema, right, and you begin to structure uh, the syntax in a certain way, um, you're, you're enabling, and if, if you have a number of folks in your group or your community that are using the same uh, XML schema, you're probably uh, increasingly ensuring yourself of structural interoperability. Now, uh, if you want to address semantic interoperability, though, you, you're going to have to have more expressive languages, so you're going to be shifting up towards, uh, let's say, RDF, UML and on what we call the uh, semantic web and ontology languages, because now you need to not just share uh, the uh, a common syntax, uh, even a common structure, but you have to give semantics to the, that structure, and you you must you ensure that you're uh, semantically interoperable with somebody else. The next slide is 11. So now what we're going to do here for the next few slides is uh, a couple, uh, try to unpack a little bit some of the concepts we need when we're talking about uh, ontologies, but also these semantic models. Uh, and then we'll proceed to uh, discuss the range of models in more detail from taxonomy, thesaurus, conceptual model, to logical theory. Uh, so on slide 11, uh, this is the triangle signification. Um, it's been around for quite some time. Uh, John Soa will, you know, attribute this to uh, a logician in the last century called Peirce. Uh, uh, it's been around. Uh, so so the, the idea here, uh, don't stumble over signification. 
you call this a triangle of meaning if you want. Uh, but what this is trying to show is that there's three components primarily that we deal with. And the three components are roughly uh, three different colored uh, ovals. We deal with syntax, which is the symbols, so the lower left. Uh, we deal with concepts, uh, if you will, uh, which is, the, uh, uh, the, if you will, the semantics in, in the greenish oval. And we deal with, uh, uh, over on the right, uh, things in the world, right, which sometimes uh, we call that uh, pragmatics um, uh, as a distinct technical discipline, but it's, uh, the whole point of the triangle is here is that we want to go from our terms, our terminology, we'd like to go directly across that dotted line in the triangle to pick out real world or even possible world things, right? So if we use a string called uh, uh, Joe and uh, concatenate that to another string called Montana, either textually or in our spoken language, right, that's the terms we use, and we'd like to use that to pick out the real-world object called Joe Montana, uh, which uh, a lot of folks will know was a quarterback uh, uh, and a good quarterback for a number of teams in uh, American-style football. Uh, but we can't really use, go directly from term strings we use to the things in the real world. Uh, so uh, the, the, the analogy I, I typically try to uh, state here is uh, we can think of a very simple way of trying to do that, right? So if Joe Montana, Montana is actually in the room uh, with you and you utter this uh, term uh, Joe Montana and you point at him, right? Uh, um, what you, you know, even if you didn't speak uh, the language English, Another person may uh, understand the simple semantics of pointing and know after a while that when you that there's correlation between this the words that you're speaking and the pointing action and the object of the point is uh, Joe Montana. So they might make that association over time. Oh, he whatever he's saying means uh, or refers to that a person over there. And uh, that person, in English at least, would be Joe Montana. But if Joe Montana left the room, right, uh, how just by uttering, there's nothing to point to. So, so in that simple uh, analogy, if you will, it shows you that what you really need is some mental representation for when Joe Montana leaves the room. So in, in, as, a, as a language uh, speaker, uh, uh, what we've done essentially is we part of our language enables us to um, uh, get to concepts in our mental models, right? So when we use the string Joe Montana, it really points to the concept Mon Monta Joe Montana. And we can think about what Joe Montana means and put properties on Joe Montana in our mental model. We really like to get to the real world uh, Joe Montana, but we have this indirection where we have to use our mental model because, you know, uh, we need to refer to him even when he's not around. Uh, and we need to express that. So over time, of course, we have this linkage between our the words in our language and concepts that we uh, 
in our mental models and, and in fact, compositions of those concepts. So uh, some people will say, well, there are, you know, I don't like the word concept. So another uh, alternative is we have an idea about what Joe Montana is, and you have ideas about what the properties associated with that idea of Joe Montana is. We, we introduce all this because in ontologies, you know, we need to deal with that green area in particular, which is the semantics, uh, sometimes expressed mentally in, in, in humans as concepts. Uh, we, we want to be able to refer to objects in the world, right, so uh, a specific type of medicine, uh, a specific missile or river, uh, a certain pr uh, business product. Well, and the way to do that, though, of course, is it, 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 we have that in our model, but we need to make a model of that for our machines to use. Um, and so when we de develop an ontology, we, we are working largely in that greenish area. Uh, other things in there are uh, uh, some terminology, intention and extension, uh, so in red. So intention, the way to view what an intention is, we get into this a lot in uh, talking about ontology, ontologies. Uh, an intention is just, if you will, the description of the thing. Um, so if you, view, if you view a class like person, person is a description of some class of objects. Uh, and and it, it's going to become more and more uh, uh, complicated the more you want to describe what that person is, right? So uh, we might think of uh, a description as being the, the quarterback in the corner over there, right? That's a description. Uh, that's the intention. Now, the intention also has a correlated extension, which means this is the, the object that actually has the property that we're describing. So uh, the extension in that example would be Joe Montana, who is, in, in this context, the quarterback in the corner. Right? So there's two dimensions of meaning there. Right? It's the things that, uh, let's say, another example might be uh, the uh, things, that ha things, things that are red. Right? So the red property. Uh, we have a notion of what a color is and what red is. Um, you could view it, and we can talk about this description of that red. It has a certain wavelength, etc. Um, but if you want to pull out or point at the actual uh, objects in the world, or uh, in some cases in your databases that have the property of being red, that's in the extension. This red ball. Uh, that red hat are objects in the extension that are, are satisfied, if you will, or described by the intention of uh, things having the red property. Uh, we also talk about sense and uh, reference denotation. So uh, those red, uh, uh, if you will, relations in between, largely the relation between your uh, word uh, the string, and the mental concept, we, sometimes we call that the sense. It's one aspect of the semantics. Uh, the reference and denotation is now another aspect of the semantics is uh, we want to pick out really what the thing in the world is, right? Uh, so what the reference for the 
the concept is. So if we have a concept of Joe, Joe Montana, it picks out or tries to pick out through this reference relation the real-world reference of Joe Montana. And in fact, it's, a pos it's an even possible world uh, reference because we can talk about, uh, for example, unicorns. And as far as we know, there are none. And we can talk about square circles uh, when we, we think, in fact, they're, they're impossible. So you can pick out things that are not just in the world, but are possible things, conceivable things. Um, next slide uh, tries to, uh, slide 12 now, uh, differentiate between the notion of term and concept. So uh, by term, what we mean is the terminology, the words and phrases in our natural language like English or Chinese, uh, Latin, Sanskrit, Greek, whatever your language is. These are the words or phrases that we talk about things with. So in terms of an ontology, and in fact it's applicable through uh, taxonomy, uh, thesaurus, conceptual model, uh, and uh, logical theory, uh, we want to uh, label, we need to label uh, uh, our nodes uh, when we develop an ontology or taxonomy. We label those nodes uh, with terms. But we'll, the way we're trying to use those are actually to create maybe a concept model. So what we're focusing on here, the definition of term, is that it's just talking about the words or phrases, the string, right? which is trying to indicate or maybe index the meaning of what it means, right? So we, when I talk about uh, person, I use the person, the string person or the word person. You know, you think you know what it means, right? When I, but, but imagine another case, like if I say, you know, X28, uh, you, know what that, you know what I said and you know how you would write that, but do you know what the, what it means? No, you don't know what it means because until you have a meaning, have a meaning assigned to it, or to learn the meaning, right? It's just a, a a string, a term without meaning. Uh, when I tell you, oh, it's a type of missile or whatever it is in the context, then you begin to uh, create a concept for it and have associated meaning. Uh, the concept here, again, is opposed against that term, but it's a unit of semantics, if you will. It's a unit of meaning. It's the node or the link, uh, if you want to view entities and relations as basically um, the object, verse, uh, which is a node, and the relationship, which is a link, uh, the line between it. Uh, that is... The concept is the uh, mental or knowledge representation part of the model. So you want to express the meaning. You have a representation in your own mind for that concept. Now we want to create that for a machine. We'll use. Uh, we'll try to model that in terms of usually nodes and links. So the the graphical picture on the right here shows uh, the terms. Uh, in the middle there, so we want to use uh, maybe the term car, the term automobile, term vehicle. It shows you that car is a synonym of automobile between those two terms. 
And then the relationship between automobile and vehicle is just automobile is a narrower term than vehicle. But those are, view those as the strings that index or point to the concepts in the, uh, that represent the semantics of what they mean. So you might have a model there where you have the concept vehicle, uh, the concept ground vehicle, concept automobile, and maybe these same terms point to the same thing. So car and automobile might point to the same concept. So we differentiate between a, a term and a concept. And so we have term relations and we have concept relations. When we talk about uh, taxonomies, thesauri, conceptual models, and logical theories, there's some confusion about whether we're talking about terms or concepts. Typically, for example, taxonomies can be either one. Thesauri are typically terms or focused on terms only. Uh, when you get to a conceptual model and logical theory, you're focused on the concepts. Uh, the next slide, I just want to ground it a little bit. Uh, this is slide 13. Uh, and we may know, uh, uh, be familiar with uh, metadata uh, and uh, metadata uh, characterizations. Uh, so, for example, ISO uh, 11179, uh, we know, is a metadata registry standard. Uh, and if we've been in this field for a while, uh, we may know certain things about metadata. Uh, what this slide is trying to show is that given a perspective like uh, the 111.79 uh, ISO standard, the kinds of things you have to have in so-called metadata registry expands the types of things that we're talking about here. So it expands probably... Uh, all the kinds of models that we're talking about, but other things too. So what this slide is trying to show you, and uh, in a very uh, you know brief fashion, is that you, you, you're dealing with typically data objects, classification objects, terminology objects, but also meaning objects. Uh, the classification objects, uh, you might say that those are some of the things that are on that ontology spectrum. So taxonomy, thesaurus, conceptual model, the logical theory, ontology, that's a classification scheme. Uh, terminology is now, as we've just learned, you know, the difference between a term and a concept. Terms are the words you use uh, to get to the concepts that you mean. So, but we all have to deal with terms. We have to deal with strings. And terms are usually maybe in multiple languages. And the way we try to characterize that, get a handle on our terminology sometimes, is to put them in uh, different namespaces. So in a lot of our information technology, you might uh, know that you have to deal with namespaces. A namespace is very simple. It's just guaranteed to have a unique term, a given unique term in that. So. If you have person in one namespace, you know that there's not another string with that same uh, identical set of letters in that namespace. Uh, and then the, uh, the data objects we deal with in the world are from databases. Uh, they may be, in fact, from documents, too. And then the meaning objects are the things that we really, uh, if you will, the concepts, uh, the, the relations and properties and classes and instances and rules, etc., that we want to have 
uh, to express the meaning of all these objects. Uh, uh, again, another preliminary slide 14, just to uh, give you a very quick view of what a tree versus graph is, because uh, in, in computer science information technology and in our models, we make these distinctions. So typically, a taxonomy and a thesaurus will be a tree structure. Uh, and that's represented in the middle, upper portion there. Trees are uh, simpler than what, what are called graphs. Uh, we have two kinds of graphs, a directed acyclic graph on the left and a cyclic graph on the right. So you could, if you follow the direction of those arrows, uh, what makes a graph is, for example, uh, in some uh, models you have multiple parents. If you have multiple parents, then you're in a graph structure as opposed to a tree structure because in a tree like a taxonomy or thesaurus, you can't have um, uh, multiple parents, if you will. Uh, but you can in a conceptual model or in a, a logical theory, uh, high-end ontology. Cyclic graphs are a little more complicated because they really kind of create a cycle. So over on the right-hand side, um, sometimes we try to avoid these kinds of constructs simply because they're harder to deal with. Uh, you have to be able to de detect cycles in certain cases, but in other cases they're necessary. So if you're working in a language that has allows for cycles, it probably has built-in support um, that uh, the engine uh, or the interpreter of the application can handle that. Uh, Okay, now uh, next slide is 15. This is where we want to start digging in, in a little deeper about the kinds of models these things are. So taxonomy. So we're going to basically go through taxonomy, thesaurus, conceptual model, and logical theory uh, and differentiate these. Um, know what they are, give some definitions, some examples, uh, but also where the limitate where you might uh, find limitations. We need to go on to a more complicated model. A taxonomy is really a way of classifying or categorizing a set of things, right? And typically it's in the form of this of a tree, a hierarchy. In, in information technology, we kind of uh, modify that definition a little bit. We're saying we're really talking about classifying information entities, right? Uh, so they're there are uh, things uh, we're interested in um, uh, about the world, if you will, but it's, it's being used on, in information technology. So uh, we'll build a uh, taxonomy, for example, uh, that uses terms like, uh, you know, medicine and doctor and person uh, and maybe uh, uh, some nodes, uh, children nodes underneath that. We're using these as information entities that are like surrogates for the real world things. Uh, and the way we classify these, of course, are according to the presumed relationships of those in real world things that they represent. So a taxonomy, therefore, is a semantic hierarchy. It can be either term or concept hierarchy, now that we understand what a term and a concept is and the differences. So a taxonomy is uh, uh, either a term or concept hierarchy. And remember these parent-child uh, relationships. The entities are related either in one way or another. So 
one way it's, it's as a subclassification of, uh, that's what we'll call a weak taxonomy, right? So think of your uh, folder, uh, your file folder, uh, or most of the taxonomies you see in the world, right? Uh, it's, it's, all you can really tell is that uh, the child is uh, a subclassification of the parent. Because uh, the, 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 the nodes are, I mean, the links are inconsistent, and the semantics of those links are inconsistent. Uh, but you could have a strong taxonomy, in which case it's a subclass relation, right, uh, for concepts, or the narrower than relation for thesauri. So what we're trying to say here is that you can have weak and strong taxonomies. Uh, most of the taxonomies in the world are weak, but some aren't. Some are strong taxonomies, and you can have two kinds of those. You can have uh, taxonomies that form the, uh, the primary structure in uh, thesaurus. Now, that'll be a, a strong taxonomy that's based on terms. Or you could have a strong taxonomy that's the backbone of a conceptual model uh, or a logical theory, and that's a strong uh, taxonomy focusing on concepts. So uh, for a strong taxonomy, uh, you can talk about then what's called a subsumption relationship. In other words, uh, things at the top are more general than things that are below it. And as you descend, you get more and more specialized or specific. So with a subclass relation, which is more well-defined semantically, that's what it gets you, right? Um, you understand that um, it's consistently a subsumption relation. More general at the top, the lower you go, more special, specialized the, the thing is. Uh, and then in mathematics and, of course, computer science, we, could take, we can use that, right? Uh, so mathematically, strong taxonomies, thesauri, conceptual models, logical theories, are a certain kind of thing we call uh, partially ordered sets. And uh, that enables us to get, uh, to, to, for our machines, to be able to use uh, some of the mathematical properties associated with that. Uh, the next slide is uh, uh, slide Neil, uh, Neil 16. I, I want to give some examples of weak taxonomies and strong taxonomies. So, for example, uh, so uh, we've given one example, like your folder, your directory structure in, uh, uh, that everyone has on their desktop, right? A weak taxonomy. Um, uh, another example is uh, a UNSPSC. It's kind of it's on its way towards becoming a, uh, a stronger taxonomy, but it's still a weak taxonomy because uh, uh, the nodes, if you will, the relationship between um, a child and a parent is inconsistent across uh, that standard for, for business to business. So, for example, uh, we just have a, a brief instance of that, uh, live plant and animal material and accessories and supplies. We see that there's a lot of stuff that's put into that parent node, right? And uh, we're going to have a lot of different things underneath of that, right? So if you're going to have uh, supplies, you're, you're not only going to have uh, livestock and cats and dogs, but you're going to have cat food and dog food and, uh, you know, uh, grain, and you're going to have accessories like harnesses, um, 
and uh, for plants you're going to have, you know, so it, it's a hodgepodge, tries to characterize uh, with some structure uh, for the point, for the purposes of uh, uh, business products and services, but it's not going to be very well defined. Uh, next slide is slide 17, strong taxonomies. Now, again, to emphasize, uh, there, uh, it means that there's consistent semantics for that parent-child relationship, right? For the terms, for term uh, taxonomies, it's the narrower then. So we talk about, we'll have some examples uh, in a thesaurus, you'll have some terms that are narrower than other terms. Right, so think of uh, the, if you had a term or phrase called three-wheeled three vehicles. It's narrower than vehicles. Uh, so that's a term strong taxonomy where you have a well-defined uh, relationship between the child and parent like you do in a thesaurus and it means narrower than typically or the flip is broader than. Uh, or you have a, a subclass relation uh, in which case you're dealing with concepts. And then you, in either one of these, you have consistent semantics, which is why we call both of those instances of strong taxonomy. So, uh, and again, remember that it means that you have a generalization specialization taxonomy. So for both the thesaurus and a strong uh, concept taxonomy, the things that are above, higher in the structure, more close to, let's say, the root, uh, thinking of it as a root of a tree, uh, so an inverted tree, uh, things that are at the top are going to be more general, and things that below that are going to be more and more specific. Uh, so that was what we call a generalization specialization taxonomy. So for concepts, uh, the information in that node is distinguished by a property uh, of the, the thing in the world that makes it unique. So uh, the example here is uh, in hammers, graphically, uh, we, we have, uh, let's say we view this as, uh, the, we could view this as either the concept uh, or term taxonomy at this point, it doesn't much matter, uh, but view this as, uh, uh, for example, as a concept taxonomy, right? We have a hammer, and then we have the subclasses of hammer. In this case, we only have three, claw hammer, ball peen hammer, and sledgehammer. <clears throat> well, those all have necessary distinguishing properties, right? A sledgehammer does different things than a ball peen. It looks different, has different properties, and has different functions. And so they, we, those properties are the necessary distinguishing properties. Uh, that distinguishes the subclass of sledgehammer from ball peen hammer and from call hammer, but yet they share some properties of the generic node called hammer, right? So they're going to show they're basically going to have share the property of having a handle and a piece on the end, which does ultimately the work. So it's and they're going to have a length. Uh, they may have color. They may be uh, uh, things that they share, composition, you know, wood uh, versus uh, some other material, plastic, metal on the end, uh, etc. Uh, so uh, 
These, in this picture, the distinguishing properties probably are these form and function, physical and functional properties. And typically, uh, as, as we know uh, uh, from doing business, um, and in fact from creating ontologies for business, we know that human artifacts typically focus on the functional property of an item. Uh, next slide is 18, just some examples of strong taxonomies. Again, this is a simple HR taxonomy, uh, not very well, not very well elaborated, but well defined. Uh, manager, employee, uh, two types of person, for example, uh, an organization, a person might be two types of agent or classes of agent. And on the right, the Linnaeus biological taxonomy, right, where it's a very well-defined um, taxonomy and focusing on distinguishing properties, right? So at each level, what distinguishes the things below from the things above? Uh, and at a certain point, of course, it's going to be a butterfly, two different butterflies with different coloring patterns, uh, which will probably be at, at the lowest level right before specific instances. Uh, slide 19 is another mostly strong taxonomy, just as an example, the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, slide 20, when is the taxonomy enough? Right, so when, when you need to move from a weak taxonomy to a strong taxonomy, it's when um, you need something more powerful than that uh, general is subclassification of, right? Uh, that's fine if you want to just navigate a, down a hierarchy like your, your, like your folders uh, or subfolders. Uh, but if you need uh, to, to have that uh, well-defined, that hierarchy, you need to shift to a, a strong taxonomy. Uh, either probably a thesaurus uh, term-based or maybe something uh, more stronger, uh, the beginning of a conceptual model. So you need uh, more than a taxonomy if you need either to use this narrower than relation when you're defining uh, synonyms, for example, and cross-references to other associated terms. Uh, so the taxonomy can't provide you with that because you need mappings between taxonomies. And you need something associated with the terms in your taxonomies, such as synonyms. When uh, you need to define additional properties, uh, attributes, values, relations, constraints, rules on those nodes in a taxonomy, you need more than a taxonomy. You're going to need uh, either a, a thesaurus or probably a conceptual model. Uh, the next slide is 21 of thesaurus. We have... Uh, there's a, a textual definition of it here. Um, one one thing that focuses on that we focus on uh, is thesauri are term uh, taxonomies. So they're strong term taxonomies. They typically will focus on four term semantic relationships: uh, synonymy, which is equivalence; um, uh, homography, which is they, they're spelled the same. Think of uh, bank of a river and uh, financial institution. They're spelled the same. Uh, they're also hierarchical, in other words, with the broader than or narrower than uh, relationship. 
And then Cesari also have this associative or associated with relation, right? It's just something that this term is associated with with respect to another term. Uh, it's a uh, consistent semantics. It's well-defined. It's based on subsumption, but it's focused on terms. Uh, the next slide, just uh, slide 22, displays the, uh, these relationships again um, and gives you some examples, right? Car is a synonym for automobile. A bank is a, of one type is a financial institution is a homonym for the other kind. Vehicle, it has a broader meaning than automobile. An automobile has corresponding narrower meaning than vehicle. And a comb, for example, is associated with a barber. Uh, next slide uh, just tries to, again, uh, slide 23, differentiate uh, between a thesaurus and an ontology. Uh, the way we're viewing an ontology is that in much the same terminology, we have strong ontologies and we have weak ontologies. A weak ontology, you might view, is a conceptual model. A strong one is a logical theory. Um, so uh, in, that in that ontology spectrum, we were roughly where it becomes an ontology is the upper half of that spectrum, conceptual model and ontology. What this is focusing on, again, and we, we don't have to spend much time, is that uh, in a thesaurus, you're focused on terms. In ontology, you're focused on concepts. Uh, the next slide, just give you a, 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 this is slide 24, an example of a thesaurus, a very small snippet of the Center for Army Lessons Learned thesaurus, where uh, it's apparent that we're talking about terms um, which are words or phrases that are structured uh, in the thesaurus. So the imagery below that, you have uh, a more specific terminology called aerial imagery and infrared imagery. And below aerial imagery, uh, a narrower term is radar imagery. And below that, uh, you have maybe a radar, uh, radar photography and moving target indicators, which are narrower than radar imagery. Uh, but uh, you don't know what the meaning of those are, right? You don't know necessarily what they're not. They're in term relationships. Uh, you know they're narrower than or broader than each other, but you don't know what they really mean. Uh, and you also have this red associated with or related to relationship. So imaging systems are related to Im Im imagery, but you don't necessarily know in what way. Uh, next slide is, when is a thesaurus enough? Slide 25. When you don't need to define concepts, but only the terms that refer to those concepts. So think of uh, your navigation and maybe your search and information retrieval uh, application. You want to put a document uh, under uh, a thesaurus, uh, if you will, or ta taxonomy node, uh, because you just want to find, you, you want to put it in a specific bucket. Um, uh, you don't care about really, you know, the fine-tuning of what it means, uh, you know, within that document. You just say, well, generally it's about this topic. That's fine. And so a thesaurus will be probably uh, sufficient for you because uh, you'll be able to put the things about radar imagery in that bucket as opposed to radar. 
Now, uh, uh, so, so and it, it, you also, if you if you need uh, synonyms, right? Uh, so you need a list of terminology and uh, loose uh, connections to other terms. Then a thesaurus is probably sufficient because these cross references, uh, you can have maybe multiple facets. Uh, sometimes we talk about in thesauri, you know, this is a this is like a person facet. This is a geography facet. This is a um, uh, an event facet. So you can put linkages between the things in your thesauri and hence your documents. Uh, this document is cross-indexed to radar imagery, but also perhaps to um, uh, you know the city of Washington D.C., which is what that specific radar imagery in this document is about. Um, but if you need, so, so if, you, if you just need buckets for your documents, uh, you probably don't need much more than a thesaurus. But if you need more, right, if you need to begin to have properties, define properties and attributes and re other well-defined relationships besides association, you need to move to conceptual model or a logical theory. Uh, the next slide is 26, and now a conceptual model um, is we consider that a weak ontology because uh, uh, there's many things uh, you you can express in uh, thesauri or thes or taxonomies that now you need to uh, shift to a concept uh, hierarchy, if you will, or taxonomy. And, uh, and in fact, enrich it even that. So conceptual models are needed because you need to model portion of the domain of a database or uh, some other, uh, say, uh, aspect of your domain. And you maybe you need it for your systems, your data, your services. You need to have defined properties for these things, not just uh, the subclass uh, structure additional relationships and properties. So the shift now is to probably the paradigmatic language of UML, uh, which is where typically you'll use uh, you use that language to create your, uh, for in both the database world and enterprise architecture world uh, and object-oriented world, you'll, you'll use UML to create that concept model. Uh, Models here, again, are mostly used for documentation, right? So you may create this UML model, um, but it, re it requires somebody to look at it. You need a human to uh, look it over, say your programmer or your user or your database administrator, and say, okay, I see what you mean. Um, uh, largely, uh, these become just documents that you have associated with your project uh, because you need that human to do the interpretation. Uh, they have limited machine usability because a machine can't interpret uh, that. UML has become richer uh, with version 2 so that it now has uh, at least somewhat of a uh, formal semantics associated with it, but it's still not sufficient. So machines can't interpret it in the same way they can interpret what we call the real ontology languages or semantic web languages. So you need more than a conceptual model. You need to shift to a logical theory when you need that machine interpretability, when you need the machine to be able to help you uh, understand the semantics as opposed to 
you always having to uh, interpret the semantics yourself as a human. Uh, next slide is an example of 27. It's a richer human resource conceptual model uh, uh, written in and uh, displayed in UML. So we see that there's a class structure. Uh, so uh, the, the the main the main uh, relationships are um, you know division. Uh, uh, let's say the subclass would be staff employee uh, is a, uh, a type of employee or subclass of employee. An employee is uh, a subclass of a person, perhaps. Uh, but it's also in a relationship to a department. So employees are employees of a specific department. That department is part of a division, which is part of a group, which is part of a company. And a company is a type of uh, organization, if you will. So there's more complexity here. Uh, and then there's other properties that we could add is name, address, birth date, uh, spouse name, and uh, social security number for the person. You can't have that in a thesaurus or a taxonomy. You need a conceptual model. Next slide is, okay, so when we need to shift because uh, we need that machine interpretation, we need to go from a conceptual model to a logical theory. So these are what we characterize as strong ontologies. And they can be either uh, frame-based, which just means more like the object-oriented view, or they could be axiomatic, which is just means that uh, we're using logical uh, rules in terms of uh, axioms logical expressions to define our ontology. These largely... Please note that your conference will expire in... 10 minutes. Oh. Uh, you got that, Leo. Yeah, I got that. So, uh, we'll, we'll just, we're almost there. Uh, uh, slide 29 uh, just shows you kind of what, uh, in, formally, an ontology does, right? In, we have a conceptualization of some part of the world, right? We, we think we know what Joe Montana and quarterbacks and football is. Um, if we want to create a model of that, right, we have to use a language. So we use this language L to kind of con to build our conceptualization of Joe Montana and football. Uh, that language uh, can be uh, expressed or formally licenses a certain set of models. We call those formal models, right? So uh, in, let's say, using OWL as a language, uh, I might be able to express a, uh, a model of uh, Joe Montana football where, um, where Joe Montana could be, uh, in fact, his own father. Um, that the set of models that were permitted by OWL uh, would allow that unless we exclude it, right? So OWL is a very expressive language, and it, it enables you to express anything you want to express. So you build the ontology, therefore, to limit. You're going to have a rule in that ontology that's saying uh, something like no person can be their own father or parent or child or grandparent or grandchild, right? Because that's a rule you want to enforce on your model because it corresponds to the way the world is and you want to model that. So 
So that's the, what this is trying to show. And in fact, on slide 30, it's even more complicated. So this is a slide from uh, electronic commerce. You're going to have buyers and sellers. You're going to have uh, technical buyers, non-technical buyers. You're all going to have uh, different conceptualizations. And if we're working in ontologies uh, to support e business, electronic business, everyone has their own language. I call this. Uh, you know, this product X and you call it Y because you're the buyer and I'm the seller. Uh, so it's more complicated. So ontologies have to deal with more than one conceptualization, in fact, multiple and correlate them and make it consistent. Uh, slide 31 is just trying to show that on the logical theory side, we're talking about things such as axioms, inference rules, theorems, theories. Uh, they're, they're, they could be off-putting if you hear those terms, but it's fairly simple. Um, if you look at the axioms in the center of this circle, uh, these are things like uh, that we want to have hold in our model. Um, we'll show you an example here shortly, but it's things like, well, you know, a person is a subclass of animal. That's kind of like an axiom for the logical theory. Uh, you might have theorems then. Theorems are the things that uh, view those as queries that you want to prove or find out whether they're true or what, what the answer to the query is. Uh, in a logical theory, it, it's very simple to view uh, uh, the query as just a theorem. Um, is it true within my ontology that, that this is the case? Well, you have to prove it. And so you, you give that query, that theorem, and uh, if you're using an inference engine, the inference engine will try to come up with the answer. And, uh, and the way it does, it'll use so-called inference rules, uh, which are just ways to prove things. And if it can prove that theorem, it'll come back and say, yes, and here's the answer. Um, the, what a theory is, is a set of all that stuff. Right, the set of axioms, the set of ex ever-expanding theorems that have been proven true, that constitutes what we call a theory. So this is why we call it a logical theory. Uh, the next slide, just kind of uh, slide th uh, uh, 32, uh, displays some graphical uh, or rather uh, textual representation for that. Axioms, inference rules, theorems. Uh, slide 33 shows the levels. Please note that your conference will expire in five minutes. Okay, well, uh, let me just jump ahead. There's a couple more examples here. Uh, up through slide uh, 36. Uh, and then we're not really going to get to uh, the upper ontological distinctions. Uh, which refer back to slide 36 uh, and uh, some of the enhanced stuff about uh, the logic spectrum. So really what I'd like to do is, um, if we're just looking at slide 33, uh, you know, tell people that you can look at the next couple of slides based on what we've talked about, and you'll just see uh, some additional elaboration of that. But 
the primary understanding should have been uh, received. So I think we need to open this up to uh, some couple of quick questions. Thank you, Leo. Um, yeah, thank you. So sorry, uh, sorry, I ran out of a little little extra time. Well, we still have four minutes. So, uh, anyone have questions? Well, this is uh, Roy Robach. Uh, I'll tell you that in 23 years, I've never heard a clearer explanation of all this stuff. So, thank, thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Peter. Oh, Peter, ahead. is there possibly an online uh, news group or a forum where we can uh, perhaps pose uh, questions to Leo uh, and get answers, or is oh yes, yes, email or Please. yes, definitely. I mean, this is the Ontolog forum, the the primary uh, medium actually for exchange actually is our mailing list. Uh, so if, if you are not already a member of the Ontolog Forum, uh, go to the Wiki homepage where you're looking at this session page. I mean, on your upper left, there's a Wiki homepage. Go there. There's a section about membership. Okay, very good. Thank you. All right. Uh, and and uh, thank you very much, Leo. I mean, this has really been, been very clear that we have consistently... Uh, go back and forth in terms of definitions of what an ontology, what a taxonomy is. You did at one point promise that you'll get clearance and publish this, and you've finally done it. For, for our community, uh, if there's no objection, let's maybe lock in this set of slides from Leo and at least use these definitions as a reference uh, within the conversation of, of this uh, community so that whenever we talk about ontologies uh, or taxonomies, I mean, these are the type, uh, the definitions that we will go by. At this point, maybe, Leo, can you throw some light on, let's say, a formal versus a semi-formal or an informal ontology? Because that has been one topic that, that came around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, so view, uh, view the informal ontology as... Uh, you know, what we've looked at are models that we use for engineering purposes, right? You can view, uh, uh, you could define an ontology, if you will, on on paper, right? So, uh, in fact, in philosophy, uh, largely that's what's been done for a couple thousand years. Um, so you could describe it in words, right? So it's not really machine usable, but it can be uh, expressed in uh, words. So. Uh, we can do that informally in, in our documents, right? We, we talk about uh, uh, a person pretty informally, uh, and we could describe it. Or we could, uh, in fact, use um, uh, very precise English and try to describe it more formally in that English. Uh, it's, not, it's not a formal representation, but it's precise English. So if, if you will, we're moving up from... Uh, uh, less formal, uh, meaning you know informal, uh, and just still, still using uh, uh, English as opposed to creating a model. Uh, but we could say we move up next to expressing that precise English into logical representation, right? So now uh, you've gotten, let's say, to, from semi-formal to a formal representation. You're expressing it in a logic um, that. Uh, uh, if you know logic, of course, or the machine knows logic, Leo, you can I'll, differentiate. I'll stop you here, and, and on behalf of the group, we thank you for 
speaking to us, and let's continue the conversation online over the mailing list. Okay, well, great. Thank, thank you, you all. Much, and thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I believe we are, uh, the call is yep. ending uh, any, any time now. Thank you.